everyone and welcome to Opinionated Science, the podcast from Technology Networks. I'm Molly, science writer for Technology Networks, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Ash Board, our director of editorial. How are you doing today, Ash? Yeah, pretty good, Molly. Pretty good. How's, uh, how's things with you? All good. Thank you very much. Good, good. So for today's episode, we are mixing things up a little bit and we're bringing you a feature on the topic of metabolomics the billions of tiny molecules that our cells produce every second. So to do this, we're going to be speaking to an expert in the field, Dr. Baljeet Ube from SciEx. Baljeet has over 20 years experience in the life science industry with respect to mass spectrometry. Baljeet will be sharing her insights on how metabolomics could tackle some of the current issues associated with healthcare and influence how we define and quantitatively measure wellness and illness. So before we kick off the interview with Bal, shall we take a few moments to dip into exactly what metabolomics is and why this is an interesting area of research to discuss? Absolutely. So, um, well, I say absolutely. What I'm going to clearly do now is just hand over to you as our resident uh, metabolomics uh, expert, just to uh, maybe if you can be helpful, I think, for me and uh, for everyone, really, if you sort of set the scene and tell us a little bit about uh, what metabolomics is, really. Yeah, absolutely. So metabolomics is a field that has grown over recent years, and it's particularly after the completion of the Human Genome Project in 2003, our understanding of molecular biology was really advanced. And we were able to look at humans literally at the DNA code. Now, what we learned from that is obviously our genome encodes our proteins. Our proteins are the molecular machinery of certain functions that take place in our cells. But the end products of these functions are our metabolites. So in metabolomics, we quantify, we measure these metabolites and we explore how they are implicated in these cellular processes, how they fluctuate in specific cellular processes that perhaps lead to disease. And as we're going from this sort of scale from the genotype to the phenotype, metabolomics is really the closest that we can come to looking at the phenotype at the molecular level. And so by measuring this, we can really gain sort of unprecedented insights into human disease and human health at the same time. So it offers a lot of potential in various different fields, particularly in personalised medicine. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, I think just to sort of throw into that as well, I mean, from my understanding, obviously, I guess, metabolomics means that you can actually monitor in real time and it's sort of multiple time points of how individuals are behaving whether it's to a therapy a response to the environment or sort of anything else that sort of surrounds a lifestyle so i mean it's clearly a very exciting field I mean, from my personal perspective um what i find quite interesting as well is i've been going to um the american society for mass spectrometry meeting for for a number of years now like for about the past eight eight nine ten years and um Metabolomics was always something that uh, was spoken about, but it always had the caveat that the technologies weren't there in terms of they didn't have the analytical techniques or the particular kind of informatics required wasn't wasn't where it needed to be. So to sort of certainly in the last few years to see all of that catching up and, and enabling some of the amazing research that Bal's going to talk about is um, it's exciting. I think it's a really exciting to be, field to be in right now. Absolutely, I think the the possible influence it's going to have is going to be phenomenal. So with that, I think we should head over to our interview with Bal and hear about some of the insights she can offer as an industry expert in metabolomics.
So, Bal, um, we hear about metallomics being discussed quite often in the context of personalised medicine. Can you explain to us what precision medicine is and, and uh, really some of its key concepts? Yeah, so precision medicine has been a term that's been around for quite a while. Um, uh, back in the days of when I was in pharma, I was in um, R&D, and typically um, the, the, the response to um, making um, uh, drugs within the pharmaceutical industry was this sort of perspective that one drug would fit every individual. So it was pushing drugs through the pipeline um, and as we know, individuals are very, very different. Our metabolisms are different. The areas we live in are different. Our lifestyle choices are very, very different. And so um, medicines uh, respond in different ways um, to individuals, um, given those small chemicals, those small mo molecule metabolites that I talked about earlier. And so um, what has happened in the, in the pharmaceutical industry is that uh, um, companies have now taken an approach to look at a way of um, uh, applying um, drugs and medicines to cohorts of patients that have similar uh, phenotypes. So in other words, are they going to respond given their metabolic or their proteomic profile? How um, are they going to respond to this drug? Um, and so the drugs can be tailored towards a set of individuals um, given that phenotype. Um, so, so that's sort of at a high level what precision medicine is, um, but also it can be used in many, many different ways. So it can be used to, to, to stratify patients um, in, uh, in, in clinical trials uh, during, the, during the, the drug development process. So in other words, rather than taking a drug and, and applying it to just a cohort of, of patients uh, and people, those people are chosen based on what their phenotypic response would be to that medicine. Um, so um, that is why precision medicine is so exciting because you could really take a sort of baseline from an individual um, and even at the point where they're sick um, and you can really tailor, uh, almost tailor make medicines um, uh, for those uh, particular uh, individuals. And so um, as you can appreciate, the, the metabolome changes over time a lot. And so if, if we continued with this sort of one drug fits all, most people wouldn't respond to those therapies. And so there's a huge burden on the healthcare industry um, in not only trying to tackle those diseases, but at the same time, the losses in, in the drug development industry um, around failed uh, medicines to market. So um, precision medicine helps us tackle two challenges. One is addressing those um, lifestyle-related diseases uh, more accurately and precisely. Uh, and secondly, it actually overcomes a real um, uh, cost burden to the healthcare industry around um, either failing fast within the drug development cycle um, or um, at least um, being able to look at sort of, let's say, adverse toxic effects from drugs within individuals that they know will respond a certain way. Um, and so they can actually not even attempt to give those therapies in the first place. So um, it's, a, it's a very exciting field. It's been around for 10, 15 years at least, even, even more. Um, and I think finally we're, we're, we're getting to a place where precision medicine is really achievable.
Thank you, Val. I think it would be really interesting to discuss what issues that we currently see in healthcare and drug discovery that could really be addressed through metabolomics research. The, the ability to quantitate these small molecule metabolites really gives us an understanding of um, unraveling that sort of mechanism of action, which is the way a drug works. And mechanism of action is if we gave this drug to this per person, A, does it target the right spot? Uh, will it actually cause the effect that we want it to cause? And will we get the response that we want given the phenotype of this individual? Um, so as you can imagine, if you try to do that in a very rudimentary way, you would get a very rudimentary answer. But if you do that in a very quantitative, precise and accurate way, you have a much more focused, targeted approach um, but it allows you to get more accurate answers and in turn you can actually interpret that biology um, much more easily and quickly which allows that sort of drug discovery pipeline to move faster and i think recently i was talking to a set of our customers and really moving that shift from these more sort of inaccurate approaches to more accurate approaches could mean that project times could be cut by a quarter. And that's a huge, huge benefit to the entire drug discovery pipeline. So how can this precise quantitative approach, which could speed up drug discovery, how could that also Im impact clinical diagnostics? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, um, so let's think about clinical diagnostics as it exists today, right? So we can think about a number of different markers that are used to particularly characterize or understand a particular disease type. And I think the normal clinical markers that, that we are used to hearing are about vitamin D, right, um, or inborn errors of metabolism, which is a panel uh, essentially of amino acids. And those amino acids are small molecule metabolites. So essentially, you could say that, that these types of clinical assays um, are, um, are in fact um, doing quantitative metabolomics. But of course, these are FDA approved um, um, assays and they're not just um, uh, used for research only. And so if you think about it in that way, how is metabolomics enhancing that? Well, um, these small molecule metabolites, as I said, are very much impacted in the body um, uh, towards any lifestyle related uh, environment. And so because they're small molecules, they're very easy to, to measure. And so um, they are the pathological um, endpoint um, of physiology, which means when you measure that metabolite, you're monitoring that exact chemical in that time um, at the, in that specific individual. There's no piecing back um, the data, right? That um, you know, this, this metabolite is made up of many different subunits. You're actually monitoring the actual chemical entity. So um, that, I think, is, is beneficial for, for translational research um, within the clinical space, um, but also into, into clinical diagnostics, because those assays then have one less step um, or several less steps in, in piecing the data back together. So um, I think we're already there today. As I said, clinical di diagnostics is monitoring small molecules. There, there, are, there are proteins that are measured, so larger molecules. But from a metabolomics perspective, we're already there today. And I think it's just the term metabolomics is just another name for, for um, uh, biochemistry, small molecule biochemistry, basically. Um, 
And um, I talked about inborn errors in metabolism, which is you know a routine test that's performed on, on babies all across the United States and even the world. Um, and it's a standard test that's run um, when, when a baby's born. Um, and it actually enables us to characterize a set of um, early metabolic disorders. So you can measure phenylalanine, you can measure tryptophan, and they let us know that there are certain, um, uh, the babies uh, have a predisposition um, to, a, to a certain uh, metabolic disease. So um, that's really, really uh, important. And that's how I see the connection between metabolomics and clinical diagnostics. And I talked about that space in the middle, which is translational, um, uh, translational, the translational science. So it's as we take these biomarkers that we're, that we're doing um, uh, early up front um, in what, what's dubbed as the discovery phase. And so we discover those biomarkers, we have a biological hypothesis, and we take those markers, and they might be a large list at first, uh, but then we sort of triage them down as we start to validate um, our assays. And as you start to validate those, you might be left with just a handful of markers, right? You could be monitoring anywhere between three to five, but you could almost measure as many as 10. And that is where you get into that space of then starting to ramp up to, to validating and actually starting to put into place a diagnostic test, which is a whole different um, um, area together. Thank you, Bal. I think it would be great for our listeners if you could perhaps talk to us a little bit more about some of the work that you are seeing in this space from an industry perspective. So we have a customer at uh, Virginia um, Commonwealth University. His name's Diane John Wijasinger, and he's doing a lot of sepsis-based research, um, which actually takes him directly into the, uh, the hospital unit. Um, now, he's not making those sort of diagnostic decisions right there and then because that would need, you know, an FDA cleared assay. But he's utilizing that data to try and understand um, uh, the, the metabolic output and, or the, the phenotypic response to a certain drug and, um, and how they're reacting and what stage they're at within, that, in that, um, within the sepsis um, um, uh, diagnosis and actually enables them to even understand whether that patient's going to return back into, into the clinic. And so he's using a lot of technology from SciEx and, and is actually using some phenomenal artificial intelli intelligence tools um, and augmented reality to, to, to really take the next step and overcome barriers on the data side. So some really interesting insights there, Bal. Um, but let's, mo let's move on sort of from these app um, applications to the technologies that sort of central to metabolomics research. I mean, in particular, what, what role does mass spectrometry play here? Mass spectrometry is playing a major role in the healthcare industry. Now, that's whether you look at it from, you know, the um, the testing labs such as LabCorp and Quest and and the large sort of um, testing um, facilities who readily use our technology um, to the pharmaceutical industry. So I mentioned um, um, the pharmaceutical industry and the drug development pipeline. So um, our technology is be, being used used right up front in the discovery phase where they're doing a lot of basic research around understanding mechanism of action. So really, is the drug hitting the right target? Um, can we find the right target? Um, and then all the way through uh, from, from discovery um, to, um, 
to development and, 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 and clinical trials. So in between that space, you know, mass spectrometry is a huge role. I would say that the, the impact of metabolomics-based mass spectrometry is really in that upfront phase in, in the discovery phase. So it's allowing researchers to understand mechanism of action and allowing them to, to, to pursue their target identification work um, and push that drug through um, that early uh, drug discovery uh, phase. And so um, SWOTH acquisition, as I talked about, is, is use their discovery-based technologies, so what we call uh, untargeted um, uh, metabolomics is used, as well as targeted metabolomics, because once you've sort of found those biomarkers um, that you're going to use, um, you want to validate them, you want to make sure that you can quantitate them and that you have the right sensitivity and dynamic range uh, to be able to detect them. And so that's important because as you start to monitor um, the efficacy of the drug and even taking it further right down to that sort of QAQC stage, um, where mass spectrometry is only starting to make a play, um, the uh, those, those small molecules and, and quantitating them is, is even more important. Um, so uh, that's where, where um, at least metabolomics-based mass spectrometry is uh, impacting um, that particular industry. Thanks, Val. So we hear the word wellness used quite frequently now and how humans essentially move along a scale between wellness and illness. So how does metabolomics research contribute to our understanding of wellness and how we can measure it? Well, there's a huge space in, in, um, in the academic space uh, around research um, with respect to wellness and, and illness. So how do we understand when somebody's sick? How do we understand when somebody's healthy? And metabolomics really allows you to be able to interrogate that. Because if we could just monitor somebody repeatedly over time, you could really get a nice metabolic profile of her, how that individual um, uh, is responding phenotypically. Um, and you can still, and there are studies that have been published um, that really show marked differences in um, you know you having a large steak for dinner uh, that night and taking a blood test um, 30 minutes after, you'll see a, a huge increase in the lipids. Um, you go out for a bike ride and you come back and you'll see changes within the amino acids and energy metabolism and, and so forth. So that sort of direct readout of biology um, is having an impact in that wellness testing space. Um, and one of our customers um, who's at Stanford University, uh, Professor uh, Michael Snyder, is doing a lot of sort of omics wearable um, type um, technology studies. So really um, monitoring um, uh, various different types of omics, uh, so metabolomics, lipidomics, and proteomics. And he is using uh, sensors and, and sensing type technology um, in a way to understand that if an individual wore the sensor, you know, over the course of a day, how does that metabolism um, change and can we tie it right back? And I know Mike's work has even taken him right into the COVID space, um, given the current pandemic. Um, and he's been um, um, uh, pulling together um, a trial to see how, how that um, particular disease might be affecting, again, metabolism and health and wellness. Um, through these omics-based um, type analyses. So, so again, um, 
really um, uh, pushing the barriers in this space um, and using all the while, you know, mass spectrometry-based techniques, uh, but in Mike's case, he's also using SWOT-based um, technology. That's that's absolutely fascinating. Thanks, Bal. Um, before we finish, though, um, I wonder if you can possibly talk to us about uh, sort of the challenges that exist within metabolomics research and uh, perhaps uh, on such a point of implementing this research into healthcare practice. Yeah, so we can we can take it right from a basic science all the way up to you know trying to get insurances to pay for <laughs> uh, testing, um, which really takes us out into that sort of clinical space. Uh, but essentially, metabolomics is is um, is responsible for generating a huge amount of data. Um, so really, overcoming. Um, or reducing the complexity of that data and, and, and trying to get that more consolidated type result is, I think, where the field um, is, is suffering. Um, and, and those bottlenecks are consistent across the industry. So um, a lot of effort is going in from the community to try and build tools to, to move beyond that. And so that I think is really critical in its utilization, but also its, its accessibility um, into, like we talked about earlier, the clinic. Um, so I think that's one of, the, one, of the major, one of the major barriers. So how do we take these, this, this mountains and mountains of data and, and really gain some, some real insight, insight from that? Um, other areas um, are really, uh, metabolomics is still considered a, a, a new or, or young, um, uh, quote unquote, young science. It's been around since the 1960s. I mean, if you think about when, you know, the early amino acid analysis was done by GC, you can sort of trace it right back all the way. And as I said, metabolomics is just a fancy name for basic biochemistry. So it's been around a long time, but I think it's it's less well understood. I think given the blow up of the genomics industry and the fact that the everyday person now on the street understands what DNA is, um, and with companies like 23andMe and Ancestry.com, those have become household names. So genomics and DNA and, and thus genomics has become somewhat understandable to the everyday person. So metabolomics is sort of that layer down, um, and it's a layer down from proteomics. So proteomics is getting um, is is very well established, and 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 I would say understood. And so metabolomics is a layer down from that. So I think um, there's still quite a bit of lobbying that um, is is being done amongst whether it's industry or academia to show the benefits um, of such a of such a technology. Um, and, and it will take some years, um, but I, I really feel that um, at least over the last 10 years, leaps and bounds have been made um, as a science um, to where we are today. So standardization of, of methods and technology and even moving into the mass spectrometry um, space, which 10, 15 years ago, it was still very much in its infancy and everything was being driven by NMR and NMR is still there today, but I would say that mass spectrometry has really taken over. So um, I think those are, uh, are some of the, 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 the main barriers, um, one around the data challenge and the second around, you know, really getting the buy-in that it is um, a, a, an omics that can deliver um, 
if not more than than genomics is today and it's not a standalone i think the the the, the future really is combining the omics data together and so really integrating the genomics with the proteomics and metabolomics is really where where we're going to start to see a real shift in um, um, our understanding of a system entirely and so some labs are doing that today um, i don't think as collectively as a field we're there yet but that is something that i think that the um, field is very excited about and ultimately would like to get to that is absolutely fascinating thank you so much Bao. Well, everyone, we've covered a lot in this special feature on metabolomics, from the very basic concepts to the seemingly limitless opportunities that this field holds. A big thank you to Bal for joining us today and to our listeners for tuning in. Please do share our podcast and don't forget to comment. We love to hear from you, whether you are a researcher working in this space or if you're simply wanting to learn more about metabolomics. Let us know. Thank you and we'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody. 